How do we get from the place of the Holy Spirit unifying us to one who divides us? Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. To hear this live and before subscribers do, join us in Rockport, Maine on Sunday mornings at 10 for worship and before that at 845 for prayer service. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. So, Father, we thank you today for every person here, God. We thank you, God, for your love. God, even as we took communion a while ago, God, we just are so grateful for Jesus. We're so grateful, uh, you know, for the blood that he spilled. God, we're so thankful for the cross and the resurrection. And, Lord, truly we're here today because you have changed our lives, because we are new creations. And, uh, Father, we thank you today that uh, Jesus said that when he was going to leave, that he was going to send the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, today, as we just uh, open up the Bible and, and uh, you know, dig more into who the Holy Spirit is. Uh, Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would come and confirm who you are in our hearts, that you would do only what you can do. So thank you for the anointing. Thank you for hungry hearts. Lord, we just lean into you at this moment and just open our hearts up wide to receive everything that you have for us today. So God, we just honor you and we bless you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, if you were here last week, then you might remember that, uh, you know, we talked about how we as Christians, we believe in the, uh, the doctrine of the Trinity. And simply what that means is that we believe that God is, is made up of three distinct persons, that he is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And once again, we believe that those three are one. Is that true? If you believe. Amen. So listen, I, I think we would all admit that that's probably, probably one of the greatest mysteries in the Bible, right? If you can wrap your mind around that one, good luck. But the truth truth is, is the Bible, uh, you know, affirms this many, many times. One of the verses that affirms it is 1 John chapter 5, verse 7. We'll just throw it back out there at you. It says this. It says, for there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, that's Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. Now, I'm saying this in just kind of a repeat of last week that, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but over the years, I have personally noticed uh, that when the Trinity comes up, that people, you know, good-hearted Christians, Christians automatically, without hesitation, nod their head in agreement. Yes, we believe that. Uh, but the truth is, is when the rubber meets the road, we quickly discover that most Christians have a great understanding of who the Father is. They have a great understanding of who Jesus is. Uh, but when it comes to describing who the Holy Spirit is, they really struggle, right? So they struggle to say that, you know, once again, to describe who the Holy Spirit is. They struggle to talk about, uh, you know, what, their, what our relationship is like with him and then his role in basically our everyday walking around lives. Isn't that true? It's very true. So listen, in my opinion, this lack of understanding has led to loads of unnecessary, unnecessary confusion and division in the body of Christ. And if you've been in the, if you've been a Christian for some time, you definitely know that's true. In fact, if, if we, you know, had the ability today to almost pull back and get like a 20,000 foot aerial view of the body of Christ, I believe that we would find those who are, you know, way to the left and that, that those folks that are way to the left, they simply, uh, you know, they ignore the Holy Spirit 
Spirit because they're afraid of the Holy Spirit. And uh, because they ignore him and because they're afraid of him, they ultimately end up quenching the Holy Spirit and he does nothing in their midst, right? And then at the same time, from the aerial view, if we looked all the way to the right, we would find those people that have gone to an unhealthy extreme and they literally believe that the Holy Spirit is nothing more than an experience or an encounter to be had. And they just view him basically around some spiritual gift and say, say that's the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the problem with this, and, and I want to be careful here, but, but listen, what I have found is that the people in this camp, uh, you know, once again, and almost in all their academia, that have, uh, you know, they think they're so smart and they've erased the Holy Ghost from everything, uh, there's an arrogance, right? And then if you go all the way over here to this camp, that basically looks back at this camp and think, well, you, you have no clue who God is, how he's moving, all that, and there's an arrogance in the gifts. And the truth is, and, and this is strong, but there's an ignorance over there that causes arrogance, and there's an ignorance over there that causes the arrogance, and neither one of them please God. Right, So I personally believe that if we're going to uh, see this cloud of confusion lifted from the body of Christ, if we're going to see true unity come in the hearts of believers around the world, and I'm talking about universal here, then, then we, what we got to do is we got to find somehow a God-inspired, God-divine balance in all of this that's rooted in the Word, but once again that realizes that the Holy Spirit is still powerful, He still knows everything, and He's still everywhere, and He's still moving and all those things, yes? But, not, but listen, but once again, not from this approach that goes, those people are nuts, right? And then from over here to say, man, those people, man, they're just stuck in the mud. They're dead, right? Deader than doornail. So both are wrong, once again, right? And so as, as a church, our heart is to be balanced in all that. And I hope you uh, are in agreement with that and moving with us in that. So anyways, what I want to do today is I want to take a few minutes and I want to speak directly to that division that we see in the church. Now, uh, you'll kind of see an ebb and a flow here. Uh, part of it is this macro view of, of the, the church, all right? And, uh, what I don't, and then what I don't mean is our local church, but the church, all the way down to this micro view of just who we are relationally with other people. So we're going to kind of ebb and flow through that. Hopefully I'll make sense, and hopefully you guys can grab a hold of what I'm saying, all right? So uh, to do this, I want to go back to what I believe is possibly the, the greatest point of contention in the early church. So I want to start there today. So if you have your Bible, you can turn here. If you not, just look up on the screen, and we'll let it roll. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to Acts 13. Acts 13. I'm going to be hopping in and out of different translations that I believe to kind of make it the clearest. And uh, so anyways, but it'd be just good for you to see it. If you're there, say, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm looking at the screen. Yeah, all right. As all you people said, oh, yeah, it's because you were staring up there. Admit it, right? <laughs> I'm there. I'm fast. All right, here we go. Acts 13, verse 1, let's set the scene here. It says, now in the church of Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Get that. In the church, there were prophets and teachers. And it says, Barnabas, uh, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, and uh, Manian, if I said that right, is an Alabamian. And it says, uh, basically, who was brought up with Herod. And then it says, and Saul. Now, who, we, who is that? It's Paul, okay? It's the guy we know as Paul, right? And it says in verse 2, it says, while those guys in the church were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, don't miss that. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And you're about to see the work that God called them to. Okay, and it says in verse 3, it says, so after they have fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them and sent them off. Okay, and then so basically... 
from that verse, I'm going to go through two chapters here real quick. Basically, through that verse, uh, if we keep reading through chapter 13 all the way through chapter 14, we find this. We find all the cities uh, that Paul and Barnabas went through on what they call their missionary journey. Okay, So literally, from city to city and kind of what happened. If we keep reading, we also see the great triumphs and the great victories that Paul and Barnabas enjoyed. But at the same time, we see basically the great hardships and trials that they endured as well. In fact, uh, you know, many theologians believe you can kind of read in there. One spot, Paul was in the city. They literally stoned him to death. And then they went out there, believers, and got around and prayed to him, and he came back to life. How you about, How many of you guys know that might be a hardship? Yeah. So, But overall, what I want us to see is the main point that's in chapters 13 and chapter 14 is this, is that as Paul and Barnabas begin to preach, the, the Jews rejected their message while the Greeks gladly received it. Are you all with me? So the Jews rejected it and the Gentiles or the non-Jews gladly received their message. Now fast forward uh, to the very end. These guys are coming home. They've been working hard for years. We land in chapter 14, verse 26. It says this, as they sailed back to Antioch. Remember, that's where they, uh, in that prayer meeting, laid hands on them and sent them out. And then it says in verse 27, it says, Arriving there, they gathered the church, all their friends together, and they began to report in great detail everything that God had done with them and how he had opened to the who? Gentiles a door of faith. In other words, this. They came home and said, man, when we preach the gospel, that, man, all these Gentiles got born again. If you don't know who a Gentile is, is more than likely that's us. That's, you know, that's us. Right. Right. I I don't know if there's any full blooded Jews in the room, but most of us are probably considered Gentiles. Now, watch this. These guys are celebrating this great victory. Right. And uh, that once again, that the Holy Spirit gave them because it's what the Holy Spirit called them to do. And it says this in chapter 15, verse one. It says, while Paul and Barnabas were in Antioch, some false teachers came from Judea to trouble the believers. That's the Gentile believers. Here's what they said. Here's, here's the commotion that they caused. It says, they taught, unless you are circumcised, as the law of Moses requires, you cannot be saved. If you do not know what circumcision is, talk to Angela after service. He'll be more than happy <laughs> to explain it to you, all right? So they said, unless you are circumcised, as the law of Moses required, you cannot be saved. Now catch this. What these guys said was basically this. is Paul and Barnabas, I don't care what you think will happen in all those cities you went to. None of those people got born again. Right? Watch verse 2, as you can expect. This sparked a fierce argument between the false teachers and Paul and Barnabas. Somebody say Division. Now watch this, because these guys could not come, they could not resolve a matter, right? They couldn't resolve the conflict. It says, so the church appointed a delegation of believers, including Paul and Barnabas, to go to Jerusalem. That's basically the home church to meet with the apostles and elders of the church to resolve this issue. So they sent them out, okay? Now watch this. In context, this heated debate that they were having uh, reached far beyond if someone should be circumcised or not. It really got down to this. It's the important issues of grace versus the law. It's the issues of faith versus works. In fact, what you're about to see, and really out of Acts 15, is why we have the book of Galatians. It's the response, okay? So if you want to tie the two in together. So listen, if we realize or not this debate that they're having, you know, basically it covered the important issue concerning our salvation. 
You get that? That literally, that our salvation as non-Jews that are sitting here today, that's what they were debating, if we could be here today. So, you know, it's easy to look at the Bible and go, oh, whatever. But, man, this was like a pivotal point in the church, right? So watch this. As obviously they're in this heated argument, you're about to see that this thing wasn't just an argument, but it was actually about to threaten and, and cause the church to split into two. Now, watch Acts 15 here. It says, verse 4, it says, When they got to Jerusalem, Paul and Barnabas were graciously received by the whole church, including the apostles and the leaders. That also means elders. It says, They reported on their recent journey and how God had used them to open things up to the Gentiles. Watch this. Some Pharisees stood up to say their peace. They had become believers, but continued to hold to the hard party line of the Pharisees. Watch this. I don't know about you, but my first response when I read that was this. Oh, man, here we go again. Right? You ever met, you ever met those people? Yeah, me too. So anyways, but, but listen, I, th- I think these guys in reality, if we stop for a moment, extend a little grace their way, that we would find that they're like a, just like a lot of Christians today. And it's this, that, that they're just having a hard time letting go of all the things that they've been taught. And, and the truth is, is in their heart, they don't realize what they're saying is wrong. Right? They've just been taught that. They believe that. And there's no awareness that it's wrong. And so watch this. So from their position of conviction and the position of their faith, they boldly told Paul and Barnabas this. They said this. You have to circumcise the pagan or the Gentile converts. you got to do it. Right? And they said this. You must make them keep the law of Moses. Don't you love that? You must make them. You must do this, right? And it says the arguments went, uh, sorry, back up. In response to this, it says the apostles and leaders called a special meeting to consider the matter. In other words, we heard Paul, we hear these guys, and it says that the arguments between those went on and on, back and forth, getting more and more heated. Can somebody say division? So what happened next? If we continue to read the story, we see this, that while these guys are arguing and fighting, uh, the apostle Peter steps up and goes, hold on, fellas, let me say something. And he goes through what we find in Acts chapter 10. He tells about his experience at a Gentile's house. The man's name was Cornelius, right? And he begins to say, look, man, while I was talking to these Gentiles, the Holy Spirit fell and they began to encounter the Holy Spirit exactly like we did in Acts chapter 2. And he said, listen, who are we to deny them if basically the Holy Spirit's following them just like us, right? And, and so once he spoke his piece, then it says that uh, Paul and Barnabas got up and then they begin to go in once again great detail and go through all of the uh, encounters and the miracles that Gentiles were having with the power of God and the Holy Spirit and how they got saved. And I love what the Message Bible says. It says after Peter was done and after Paul and Barnabas was done, it says that the room went silent and so silent you could actually hear a pin drop. Now, here's where things get interesting to me, because I'm saying all this for a reason. I'm trying to build up to a point here. The Bible goes on to say this, that after hearing both sides of the debate, James. Now, we know James is not only, not only the head apostle or the leader of the church in Jerusalem, but he's also Jesus' brother, right? So after hearing all of that, James basically steps up in front of everybody as the leader in the room, and he quoted two verses out of Amos chapter 9 that simply says this, that God was going to call us, the Gentiles, into his kingdom. 
Now, here's the beautiful part about this, is those two simple verses cut through every bit of that heated argument and all that hollering and screaming that was going on, and it immediately brought confirmation what Peter, Barnabas, and Paul had been saying in their testimonies. So it did that, but it also confirmed this. It confirmed that everyone involved, once again, the Gentiles, that indeed, without circumcision, right, that you and I could be saved by our sole basis of just our faith in Jesus Christ. Pretty good, right? That literally, it settled it like that. Now, as you can expect, when this truth came forward, not only did all of that uh, arguing and fighting instantly stop, but it unified the hearts of the brothers that were in that room. Once again, those that were dead opposed to one another, hollering and screaming, instantly those two verses unified their hearts, and in unifying their hearts, it unified the church and kept it from being divided. Pretty powerful moment, right? So watch this. I think on surface level, it looks like James, good old James, really saved the day. Like, way to go, James, right? Like it appears that, that this man of God rescued the early church from being divided. Man, what a gentleman and scholar, right? As they say, down in good old South Louisiana. But, but, but I think if we continue to read, we find out that not only James, but those guys in the room had a whole lot of help. Now, can I remind you that Jesus said, when I go away, I'm going to send you a helper, Watch what happens. Fast forward. Acts, uh, Acts chapter 5, verse 28. We're skipping a bunch of verses here. It says, for it. What's the it? It's the solution that they came to. Watch this. Seem good to the Holy Spirit and us. I mean, I'm going somewhere today. That it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Now, I believe that while the Bible doesn't elaborate much beyond this point, I think we can clearly read between the lines that the leaders of the early church at least had enough wits and enough maturity about them in the midst of all that heated argument to actually stop long enough and actually pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help them, right, uh, to figure out what was in the heart of God concerning their dilemma. Yeah, And I believe in the midst of all of that, that James heard the voice of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit literally reminded him of Amos chapter 9 at the exact moment they needed it. And once again, when he spoke it out, once again, uh, it unified the hearts, it restored unity in the room, and it unified the church, and it kept it being from divided. So was that James or was it the Holy Spirit? It was the Holy Spirit. Let me show you a verse here, and then I'm going to tell you why I'm saying everything I'm saying. Ephesians 4 says this. It says, with all lowliness, that's humility, right? It says, and gentleness with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Watch that. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the what? Unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That should be a main staple in the heart of every believer, are you all with me today? Amen. To keep the unity of the Spirit. Now, why am I saying all this? Here's why I'm saying all this. Because last Sunday was awesome. I enjoyed it. It was a great day, right? And I woke up Monday morning, and, and I don't know about you, but a lot of times when God talks to me is when I'm in that spot of when I'm half awake, half asleep. It's, it's you know, because my mind is not running a 1,000 miles an hour, and it's almost like God can go, Whoo. In that moment. So I woke up with this question, this thought in mind. It's the whole reason we're talking about this today is I woke up with this is how did we as believers go from the Holy Spirit being the one who brought us into unity, like we just read, to allowing the subject or the very mention of the Holy Spirit to divide us? 
I'm going to say it this way. How do we get from the place of the Holy Spirit unifying us to one who divides us? Do you all agree with that? I, I mean, even in this simple, simple fact, okay, and I, I don't mean to like stir the pot here, but hey, uh, if, we, if we sat down in this room and we said, all right, guys, let's talk about what y'all think about the Holy Ghost, right, the Holy Spirit, the room would quickly be divided. It would, right? Well, this is what I think. This is what I think. And we begin to repeat everything that we've been taught over the years, and the room would probably be divided. And that's not the heart of God. The heart of God is to find what we saw there in, in Ephesians 5, that we would all be in the spirit of unity concerning who the Holy Spirit is and the subject of the Holy Spirit. Yeah? So, listen, I'll never forget. that. I'm, I'm, that's kind of a macro. Let's go micro really quick. Let's get down to our personal lives. I'll never forget the time that Pastor Tommy's wife, I remember standing uh, basically on the edge of their living room in their kitchen, and we were just talking, and she made this statement. She said this. Uh, she, she said, the Holy Spirit inside of me will never disagree with the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. Think about that for a minute, that the Holy Spirit inside of me will never disagree with the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. Gang, the simple yet profound truth here is this, is that wherever there are disagreements, wherever there are arguments, wherever there are divisions among God's people, doesn't matter if it's a universal church, the local church, doesn't matter if it's a group of pastors, if it's in a small group, or if it's in a relationship between two believers, or if it's in y'all's marriages. Guess what? Where there is a lack of unity, someone isn't listening to the voice of the one who has the ability to bring unity in every situation. See, see, listen, I don't know how it works sometimes in y'all ha- y'all's house, but listen, in my house, when Jen and I, you know, we occasionally, you know, get in a verbal tussle. <laughs> occasionally. We're two mild men or sweet people. <laughs> no, the truth is, we're both pretty strong, hard-headed leaders, right? And, and, and so when, when, we, when we get into a moment, we lock horns. The bottom line is we both think we're right. And the truth is, is most times we're probably a little bit right and a whole lot of wrong on both sides. And the problem is, is neither one of us are listening to the Holy Spirit. We just, we just want to be right. And I think there's this thing that's in us as Christians. A lot of times we think because we're right that the Holy Spirit must be in agreement with us. It's true, isn't it? Let me maybe even say this. For some of you guys that got unsaved spouses... I would guarantee that sometimes your unsaved spouse is probably listening to the Holy Ghost more than you are. Because you're so worried about slamming a Bible down their throat. Yes? So, yeah, hey, hallelujah, praise the Lord, saints. So listen, I, you know, whatever the relationship is, is because... I, here, I'll say it this way. I was sitting at the soccer field yesterday, and, um, and this parent was talking to me about how the coaches feel about his son. And I'm just sitting there, God, how do I get in these conversations? <laughs> really, and he's telling me, and it sounds good. Like, it sounds really good. The only problem is, is I know the two coaches. So I've been over here on the other side, and I've heard their spill about that dad and that son. 
and both of them think they're right. L listen, I know that sounds silly. There's only one Christian in the mix of all that. But, but, but the truth is, is this, is that um, that happens all the time in the church as well. Right? Let, let, like, let, let's say it this way. Let's say if we said, hey, what kind of worship y'all want to have next week? Well, people speak, well, we got to do it this way. We're going to do these songs. Right? And then everybody says, no, 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 no. We got to do it this way. I'm right, bless God. The Holy Ghost is on that. Right? Anyways, y'all get the point, right? We just do it a lot. And, uh, and the bottom line is, is there's a place of unity that God wants to bring all of us to in that. He wants unity in our marriages, unity in our relationships, and so on, okay? So anyways, watch this. I, as I've thought about all this throughout the week, you know, and I, I literally keep asking the, the question, Lord, how did we get here? Right? In other words, the Holy Spirit... Obviously, Jesus said to us, but how do we get here where there's so much division and disunity all the time among God's people? Once again, macro, micro, there's disunity. And, and listen, I don't mean to be picking on this, but, but I'm going to say it. When, when the divorce rate is just as high in the church as it is in the world, it's here, right? There's division, right? Obviously, that's of the enemy, right? So watch this. This is the only thing that I've kind of gotten to. The only kind of answer I've gotten of how do we get here is this. It is because we have lost our sensitivity to the Spirit. So, so simple. that We have lost our sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to kind of be open and share uh, a few personal examples with you. And some of you guys have heard this. But, but almost to the date, 16 years ago, the Lord jacked me up the wall. So, so let me, let me go, maybe go ahead and say this, um, kind of balance. I thought about maybe we'll talk about it later, but I'll throw this in here for free at the moment. Um, so often we say this, man, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's gentle, true, very true. You know, we say, man, that, that when, when prophecy is given, it's to exhort and to encourage and to comfort. Oh, yeah, that's true. But there's another side of that coin when it comes to the Holy Spirit. But because if you stop, the Holy Spirit's the one that came with power in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit's the one that struck a dude blind, right? Because he didn't want to, you know, listen. The Holy Spirit's the one that literally drove out demons. So there's this side where the Holy Spirit, yeah, he's tender and he's sweet and he's nice. But on this other side, he'll kick some butt. Right? And I think we need to remember that kind of in this. So, so, so on this day, I'm telling you, I didn't get the sweet little fluttery dove. I, I, got the, I got the foot in the rump, okay, from the Holy Ghost. And it was a really strong word of correction. And, and what happened was, is listen, is he, he rebuked me because I had some serious issues that I wouldn't say, and most of you guys wouldn't say, was sin. But I had some issues in my heart, and he was pretty fed up. And so what happened was he clearly pointed out that, that, that this boy had a problem with being easily angered. That is a problem. He, and then he pointed out, basically, bottom line, there were some people in my past that I, was, uh, that I haven't let go of the offense. I was offended, and I refused to let it go. The, the truth is, I'm going to be honest with you, it really boiled down to this. It sounds so silly to say this, but it's a struggle, and you got to know how I was raised. I wouldn't... I wouldn't you know, you don't cry, you take it, you do all this, right? So, so then coming into the church world and everybody's going, let's be tenderhearted and just love everyone. Oh. <laughs> Extremely difficult, y'all, okay? And, and, so, and so what happened was is this, is, is I didn't want to release certain things in my heart and my life because I didn't want to be weak like I perceived a bunch of other Christians, just being honest with you. you. You know, in other words, there's nothing in here that says, let's be a doormat. <laughs> nothing. Okay? 
and, and, and the problem was is I took all that way out of balance and I, and I, and I wasn't letting the Holy Spirit minister to me. And my, in other words, out of my thing of I'm not going to get ran over. I got ran over as a kid. I'm not going to get ran over now. Basically, I resisted the Holy Spirit. Am I, am I being clear with that? So anyways, listen, what happened was at the time, God began to say, here's your heart issue, son. And, and those heart issues basically turned into character flaws. And those character flaws had some really unhealthy relational skills attached to them that was ultimately causing, un, unknown to me, division in the body of Christ. Because it was division in relationships. And so, once again, like I said, God had enough. Now, I'm throwing this up there simply for somebody to see. I don't, I don't know why. I just feel like I need to throw it up there today. So, so that happened to me. God rebuked me. I went back to my seat, and I sat down, and I said, Okay, God, I know that was you. I know that was you because nobody else knows that stuff. And, uh, and I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Look, the Lord clearly said that. Here's the books I want you to read. In other words, I'm going to save you some time, right? I've spoken to these people. I've given them revelation, and now I'm going to help you, okay? So the bait of Satan by John Bevere, that has to do with being offended, by the way. Be angry and don't blow it because I was angry and I kept blowing it. <laughs> Total forgiveness because I need to forgive some, some of uh, folks in my family and other people that I've been in ministry with that because uh, y'all don't know this, but folks in ministry will backstab you. Anyways, and then, and then the last one there, the next one, sensitivity to the spirit. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And then last one, love the way to victory. What was so incredible is when I began to read those books, they began to literally uh, line upon line lay on to one another. They were repeating themselves, saying the same thing, building upon it. And what happened, and I love how God works. I would go to church, and I was still in the front row, and the pastor was preaching what I was reading. It says, let all bitterness, uh, wrath, and anger, clamor, which is loud quarreling, and evil speaking be put away from you. It says, with all malice, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted. That's that thing I was struggling with, right? And, and then it said, uh, forgiving one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. Back down to chapter 5, it says this, therefore be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love. So what's this? It, it was this, that I, I realized in that moment that this matter that I was struggling with went way beyond the hard areas of my heart that kind of rubbed people the wrong way, right? I realized that basically my actions were literally grieving the Holy Spirit of God. How many of you guys know that's a humbling place to be? You've got to pop your bubble really quick. It, you know, the truth is, is this, is, is, is I didn't have, once again, some quote-unquote deep, dark, uh, you know, uh, perverse gross sin in my life. I didn't at all. The fact is, is most people looked at me and said, man, that's the of Jesus. He's a young gun. He's a young buck. But he's really on fire for God. Why? Because I prayed. I fasted. I pray hours a day, right? I'd read the Bible. Obviously, I, uh, you know, once again, worship. You know, I was locked in. That's my point. The, the truth is, is, is this, is, is I wasn't just a person that sat in the queue. I was actually a pastor. But yet, I'm embarrassed to tell you that I was grieving the Holy Spirit of God. And the reason is, is simply because of this. Let me show you a verse. Boils down to this is ultimately I lost my sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. But here's the verse I want to show you. It says in Galatians 5 verse 16. This is Paul talking. He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Y'all get that? Come on, wake up. Y'all get that? Yes. Let the Holy 
Spirit guide your lives. If you fast forward Galatians 6, it actually says this. It says if we live by the Spirit, then let us walk in the Spirit. Right? If we live by the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. The word walk literally means to walk in line with or to walk down the path that has been laid down by the Holy Spirit. In other words, it's, it's this simple idea that, that guess what? The Holy Spirit is moving and I'm seeing how He's going, right? Once again, we're back in Acts 15. Holy Spirit, what do you want to do about this situation? And so what happens is as we look, okay, Holy Spirit, how are you going about it? And we begin to get in line and follow Him. Not the culture, not our flesh, not our emotions, but we get in line with him, right? So, so the problem was, is guess what? I wasn't doing that in every area of my life. Now, you know, this week while I was thinking about it, here's what's so funny. Is, is, I, is I actually remember that short stint when I would go somewhere and preach. I, I remember that I would spend a lengthy amount of time dealing with guilt and shame. And I was having to uh, repent of things. I never realized why I was repenting. And the problem was, is I wasn't doing anything outwardly that was sin. It was what was in my heart that was sin. Because I was offended. And I was angry. Right? Listen, the reason I'm saying that is because it's so important. So often in church, we just get caught up in what people see and we forget about what's already happening inside of us. Right? That's why Jesus can look at the Pharisees and go, "You're, you're whitewashed tomb. You look clean on the outside, but you got death on the inside. Right? So, so the thing was, is this, is I just literally felt like, man, I was living my life. I'm going to do what I think is right. And I was ignorant enough to assume that the Holy Spirit approved. Right? So what happened was, is watch this. By uh, not being sensitive to the Spirit and not being sensitive to His ways, I was hindering Him. When we are not following the Holy Spirit in His ways, what really happens when we grieve Him is we're hindering Him from being who He could be in us and who He could be through us. Right? So literally pull back in your life and go, Holy Spirit, who are you really trying to be in my life? Who do you want to be to me? Who do you want to be through me? And understand that all that can't happen if you're grieving the Holy Spirit, if you're just doing your own thing and thinking He's going to comply with you, right? So let me share uh, a few thoughts with you that have helped me along the way. It's kind of two stories, but I hope it'll help you. Here we go. The first one is this. Is uh, in, in R.T. Kendall's book, he actually started the book with this, and I breezed up right on by it, didn't think much of it until afterwards he rebuked me. Then I was like, oh, okay, I, I got you. All right, so, so here's what he said, starting off the book. He said, a few years ago, a British couple, Sandy and Bernice, accepted a call from their denomination to be missionaries in Israel. Cool opportunity, right? It says a house was provided for them near Jerusalem. And after they moved into their new home, they noticed that a dove had come to live in the eaves of the house. Pretty cool. A white dove, right? Not a pigeon, but a dove came to live in the eve of their house. Watch this. uh, They said that they were honored to be living near Jerusalem and were particularly thrilled to have this dove come and live there. And it says they considered it to be something of a seal of approval from the Lord and a confirmation that they were in the right place. Now, here's what happened. Fast forward in the story. Sandy noticed an unsettling pattern in the dove's behavior. He said this, that every time, so he knows, every time a door slammed shut or if there was a lot of noise in the house or if they raised their voices, the dove would be disturbed and flutter off, sometimes not returning for a long period of time. Y'all getting this? said this worries Sandy as he felt they were in danger of frightening the dove off permanently. With this in mind, he brought up the matter to his wife. 
Here's what he said to his wife. He said, have you noticed that every time there's a lot of noise and if we slam a door, the dove flies away? She said this, yes, and it makes me feel sad. I'm afraid the dove will fly away and never come back. Then Sandy said this, well, y'all get this. Whole point I'm saying this. Either the dove will adjust his behavior to us, or if we really want to make sure we never lose him, then we will have to adjust our behavior to the dove. Are y'all getting that? Listen, if we could flip this from the natural realm to the supernatural realm for a second, uh, how do we think in this room, can't answer this for you, but how do we think that we could or should adjust our lives, adjust our behavior to be more mindful of the Holy Spirit? Right? Let, 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 me, let, me, let me say this. You think of it this way. And this is, so match this with this other thing that I heard a pastor say, and you're going to grab a hold of this really well. So, so before I set it up, look at Matthew chapter 3. Because really you stop and go, what does the dove have to do with us? I think most of you have been in church long enough you get it. But, but he says this, says, and as Jesus rose, this is the day Jesus was baptized, right? When Jesus rose up out of the water, the heavenly realm opened up over him. And he saw the Holy Spirit descending out of the heavens and rest upon him. That's key. Everybody look. Rest upon him in the form of a dove. Now, the, the word there, rest upon him, actually means that it, that it didn't come and, and let go and then take off. It actually means that the, that the Holy Spirit come like the form of a dove and remain on him. Now, now, we know that the Holy Spirit remained on Jesus because it says in Acts 10.38, it says, it talks about this, how the Father anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and he went about, what, doing good and healing all the rest of the devil. Right, so, so literally, from that moment on, what, what locked him into ministry and changed his life, the Holy Spirit came upon him, and then he began to go do the miracles that he did, right? So, so what does that have to do with us? I, w- I want us to think for a second about the word remain. All right, remain. Now, once again, let's talk hypothetical for a second. I believe we would all agree that's well documented that doves are really, really sensitive, right? Yes? Yes. yes. In other words, and he even talks about in the book, if you take, we went to New York City. I hate New York City. But if we went to New York City, we see coaches running all around, right? And everybody's screaming, hollering, honking, hollering, cussing, doing all this stuff around. And the pigeon just does its deal. Right? A dove can never live in that atmosphere. A dove will not live in that atmosphere. Because doves don't like loud noises. They actually don't fight each other. They don't know how pigeons fight each other. Territory, all that. There's completely different opposite from a, from a pigeon and a dove. But yeah, they put them in the same family. They probably don't belong there. Right? So anyway, so watch this. Uh, imagine for a moment, once again, hypothetically, that if you wanted basically for a dove to come sit on your shoulder and remain there, think about for a second how different you would have to live your life. Uh, right? If a dove, like, like, like literally if, we, if a dove landed on our shoulder and let's say this, that you were standing on the stage and, and we said, okay, the dove is on your shoulder and uh, man, we want you to walk out of the building, get in your car, man, and go home and live your life and, and, and live your life and let the dove remain on you. Right? Uh, you know, how many of you guys know that you wouldn't uh, jump off the stage, holler and give some shout outs to everybody before you left, slam through the door, run out there, open your car door, flop down in the seat, slam the door and peel off. Truth is the Holy Spirit would have been off of you or the dove would have been off of you uh, before you completed your first step. Right? But listen, if we, if we want the dove to remain on our shoulder, literally every move, every breath that we would make the dove would be in our mind. Is that true? Listen, that that we would take slow, 
steady well thought out steps from here to our car that literally every moment would be filled with concern towards the feelings of the dove right now now how can we watch this how can we apply that kind of thinking to our everyday lives are y'all with me yes so so listen how, how would this thoughtful approach for the dove to remain on us how would it affect our daily decisions how would it affect the words that we say, the tone in our words, our attitudes, our relationships, how we do our job, you know, your prayer life, your worship life, going down the list, everything that is involved in your life, how would it affect that? So listen, I just think this, that if, that if, that if we want to walk with the Holy Spirit, commune with the Holy Spirit, right, the, the way the Father wants us to, then we need to start being more concerned about Him. Yeah. We need to be more, uh, we need to consider him more. We need to be more mindful of him if we want to walk with him because, once again, he is sensitive. Amen. Yes, he is. You, listen, you can't grieve someone, and grieve literally means to cause pain or to cause them to feel sorrow. Yeah. And, and you can't, listen, he, he's, he is emotional. Yeah. Right? Everybody look at me, please. If you don't think God is emotional, then where did you get your emotions? Because you're created in His image. And I know some of y'all in this room and some of y'all know me. I'm a sensitive fellow. I got to remember about me, right? But I'm, man, I'm a little, I'm, I'm, I'm soft in there, right? Don't, my feelings get hurt easy, right? Don't tell nobody that. Anyway, so. So I just think this, maybe uh, to, to grab a hold of this word. I just think we would live our lives with a whole lot more awareness of God than what we currently are. That's really what it boils down to. So, so here's the truth, and we're almost done. It, is this is when the Holy Spirit uh, is ungrieved in our lives, when we've adjusted our lives to Him, when we are doing our best to be aware of Him and aware of His ways. I don't think that we can help but to manifest, but to show, but to display His personality, His nature to everyone else around us. Now, if you're sitting here today, and maybe this will frame it up for you a little better, and you're like, man, I don't know really the personality and the, and the nature of the Holy Spirit. The good news is the Bible tells us, right? Uh, look at Galatians 5. It says this, it says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Why? Because it's His nature, right? To love, to have joy, to have peace, to be patient. God help us, right? To be kind, to have goodness. To have faithfulness, to be gentle, right? And to have self-control. That's what the Holy Spirit's trying to produce in us. And that's what we would find ourselves uh, operating from if we would lock into Him. Yes? Yes. All right, so let's go full circle and let's land this thing. Obviously, we're here talking about division, right? But, but it's this thing that when we walk... And the fruit in the nature of the Holy Spirit, when we're sensitive to the Spirit, I believe it's impossible to walk in division uh, with anyone else who is actually desiring to walk in the Spirit of unity as well. Right? So, so look, let's put this in family for a second. Why wouldn't you and your wife, you and your kids, you and your relatives, why wouldn't us here at the church want to walk in the Spirit of unity with one another? Yeah. Right? Because yes, we have our own families, but we have a family of God that we're a part of. And why would we want to walk in unity one another? So let's set our hearts to do this, to tune into the Holy Spirit and go, Holy Spirit, help us to be in unity and love one another. Help us to be patient with one another. Help us to love one another. Help us to walk in joy and not, not be Eeyore. Praise God, right? Help us be gentle. Help us be kind, right? Help us have self-control. Where, where, where's the number one area we need self-control? 
Right there. It's the pothole. Right? It's me life and death, right? All right, so let's make this practical. Um, what do I do with all this? Really simple. And you can write these down or you can just remember them, whatever you want to do. First one is simply, if you're here today and you're like, man, that's talking to me. Then just when you leave this place today, ask the Holy Spirit to help you in this. Guess what? I have found in 20 plus years walking with Jesus that when I ask the Holy Spirit to help me with something, you know what he does? He helps me. Because that's what he's here for. He helps me, okay? And, and ask him to show you when you're not listening to him, when you're not, when you're not checking in with him, when you're just kind of doing your own thing. And I promise you, he'll let you know, right? Second thing you need to do is you need to study the word. Remember back in Acts 15, uh, James didn't come up with some new philosophy. He just said what it said in Amos chapter 9. So what happens is the Holy Spirit will bring back things to your remembrance, but He can't bring back things to your remembrance unless you put it in you. Okay, He's always going to speak in accordance to the Word. right? Always. Why? Because once again, the Holy Spirit is here to glorify Jesus. And Jesus is the Word. Right? The next thing that you need to do is this. Is you don't... Everybody please listen to me. Is you don't need to be quick to do anything. You, you know what I found with my wife? Sometimes I do it great. Sometimes I don't. Is, is this. Is instead of just automatically responding to something she says. Because it rubbed me the wrong way. I just... Wait a second. <laughs> What's the best way Lord, for me to respond to that? Sometimes I do okay. Still grow, right? Am I making sense? What I found is when I am hasty and I'm quick, I make a mess of things. Right? And that's and that's in conversation, that's in decisions, going down the going down the list, right? And uh, once again, be quick to Listen, slow to speak. God help me. All right, here we go. And the last one is this. It's just simply uh, what can help you walk with Him, be sense of Him, is just simply to be humble and depend on Him. That's hard, y'all. Right? It's hard to be humble and depend on Him. Because once again, we are, we are, we are independent by nature. It's called fallen nature. We're independent because what made a fall, they want to live their life separate from God. Right? That's that independent thing, independent thing. But if we want to walk with God, we gotta go, okay, let me humble my heart and God let me live in the in a state of dependency upon you. And I believe you'll help us, right? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Let's pray and we'll be done. Yeah, so Father, we just simply ask today, God, all that stuff. The truth is, is Lord, um, every person in this room can grow in that area. And God, I'm definitely at the top of the list. So, Lord, I just ask simply that you would just help us. Plain and simple, we just said it, but Holy Spirit, we just invite you and give you permission to come and help us in this area. Would you show us when we're not sensitive to you? Would you show us when we are trying to do things in our, on our own accord, in our own abilities, in our own smarts, in our own whatever, strength? God, would you show us, God, when we're making a mess of things? And would you help us? to be temperate and walk in the fruit of the Spirit and to walk and to follow You. God, I, I just pray beyond anything, Lord, God, that we would leave this room today and we would recognize, uh, God, just, just how different our lives would be, God, if, if we were literally like that dove resting on us. God, that we would begin to have a tenderness about us that we've never had before. And so, Lord, today I just ask, God, even if there's anybody in this room that doesn't know You, God, that You would show them first and foremost uh, God, that, that the first step of being sensitive to You is, is to simply to ask Jesus in the heart. And then that's the invitation. That's the doorway of walking with the Holy Spirit. 
So Lord, we just bless you today. We ask God that you would seal these things in our heart. We God that you would help us to uh, just walk in your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.